G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, Culture and Current Events from a Biblical Perspective, 2020 on Vision. One of the special things that marks us as Christians is that we believe in the power of prayer. Most Christians agree that prayer is, first of all, a personal or a corporate conversation with God. It can be silent or out loud, alone or in a group. We also mostly agree that prayer deepens our personal faith. Even though God doesn't always answer our prayers the way we want, we can't ignore the often spectacular testimonies of others who've personally seen or experienced a miraculous response from God to prayer. The recovery of sick people or the miraculous timing of God's provision at just the start protection through natural disasters, courage and wisdom, harmony in the workplace, safety in times of danger are regularly the experience of Christians who have experienced answered prayer. Now a new book has been released called The Power of Prayer, Personal Stories and Strategies for Mountain Moving Prayer. It's co-authored by Warwick Marsh and Kurt Mulberg who've compiled 80 stories reflecting on their own personal experiences with prayer and they've provided key biblical teachings on the topic. Now, you may know these two names, Warwick Marsh and Kurt Mulberg. They're at the helm of the Canberra Declaration and there's lots of other things we can say too and perhaps we will uh, very shortly. But let's welcome our two special guests. First of all, to you, Warwick Marsh, welcome along. Great to talk to you, my dear brother, and it's an honour to be on Vision Radio and uh, talking about the power of prayer. And to you, Kurt Mulberg, welcome back. Thanks so much, Neil. It's awesome to be on your show again. Thank you for having us on. Well, congratulations on the new book. Warwick, if I ask you, first of all, uh, the power of prayer, what's the inspiration behind co-authoring this book and all of these testimonies you've included? Look, it's a very interesting story, if I do say so myself. Um, We wanted to write a book about prayer because a lot of what we do in the Canberra Declaration is prayer for the nation and calling people to prayer and trying to unify people in prayer. In fact, it was the Canberra Declaration that virtually helped start the National Day of Prayer and Fasting, which is now going really strongly, which is great. And we've done a lot of stuff in praying for the nation. And so... Obviously, Kurt and I are very big believers in prayer, so it wasn't hard. The way the book came together, though, was very interesting because we actually said to everyone, we're going to write a book about prayer. That's all we knew, and we had a title, The Power of Prayer. We didn't have a subtitle, and Kurt said to me, what's our plan? I said, look, uh, Kurt, let's actually uh, ask everybody else to give us their stories of prayer, and then we'll build, we'll reverse engineer the book, and we'll build... (laughs) We'll build a book around the stories that come in. And that's exactly what happened, isn't it, Kurt? Over to you. Yeah, that's right. So very much the the outline and the structure of the book uh, is 
has been determined by the amazing stories that came in. And so, um, you know, just looking at the chapter titles, really, that's essentially groupings of the types of answered prayers that came in from around Australia. So it was a really fascinating project. The The term reverse engineered is one that Warwick and I talked about a lot because it's quite a unique way to write a book and something that we find very exciting about the project in that um, the, the book really emerged from the stories that were sent to us by Australians. Kurt, I wonder if you can reflect on the perceptions that typical Aussies have about prayer uh, in the Christian community and perhaps even, you know, the wider community beyond the church because, uh, you know, we're hearing all sorts of wonderful things that in the tough times that have come along with COVID, there's a lot more Aussies who are praying. I mean, that's good news, but what are your thoughts about the perceptions of Aussies and prayer? Yeah, that is fantastic news. I remember seeing a news report come out last year um, highlighting the fact that Australians are praying more than they used to. And the statistics uh, generally paint a picture of about around three in 10 Australians pray at least once a week, which is pretty significant, actually. And almost half of Australians pray weekly or occasionally. So prayer is actually something that a lot of Australians engage in. And it might not be talked about a whole lot in popular culture. Um, and I think there is a bit of a tradition in Australian culture to keep you know, personal beliefs to oneself. But nevertheless, prayer still does make up a very important part of li- of the lives of Australians. And I, as you mentioned earlier, Neil, I really think that that has increased as um, the crises of the last 18 months have sort of emerged. So it is very encouraging to know, um, not just anecdotally, um, uh, or not, sorry, not just statistically through, you know, the data that I just shared, but ac- actually uh, through the stories that have been shared, what, what prayer looks like for everyday Australians and the way that God answers those prayers. Warwick, it does appear to me that sometimes we need to be prodded to pray. And it may be that when you're facing a crisis, there's reason to be on your knees. There's reason to connect with God because sometimes those are selfish reasons. But sometimes we need to be prodded, don't we, uh, to actually say that prayer is important. Uh, Prayer has amazing outcomes because God hears our prayers. What are your thoughts about the idea that we often need a prod? Look, uh, you know, uh, I wish it wasn't the case, but I mean, even myself, uh, you know, I'd like to think I'm spiritual, but unfortunately the flesh does rule quite a lot in my life, and that's my carnal man. And I've been following Jesus now uh, for uh, 51 years, um, 52 years, and yet I still struggle with prayer. Uh, And I think it's very interesting that the Scripture says, Paul says, uh, the flesh lusts against the spirit, and the spirit lusts against the flesh. So there's a battle going on. Who is going to control Warwick Marsh? And the battle is the man of flesh who doesn't want to pray, who doesn't want to talk to God, who wants to eat his food, he wants to, you know, you know, all the things that to do with the carnal appetites. And look, many of those are legitimate in the sense that food is important, and you know, there's a whole bunch of things that are very important, health, but. The reality is we must let our spirit man, spirit woman rule our life. And the best way to do that is through prayer. I guess, Kurt, if you've got a routine 
for your prayer, then that's going to keep you in that prayer moment because sometimes unless you've got a personal crisis, uh, you're thinking that prayer is not quite so necessary now. If you're involved in church life, you'll find all sorts of people who are facing their own crises and they need someone to stand alongside them. And then there's all, of course, the national crisis issues that we might be facing. Routine here is so important and uh, for people, sometimes they feel called to prayer Others feel as though there's some sort of obligation to prayer. What are your thoughts for how the heart needs to change in the Christian believer uh, to bring prayers and petitions to God so that the issues around us are actually being brought to him? Yeah, that's a great question. And I, like Warwick shared earlier, I also am someone who struggles with this myself. And so I guess by writing a book on prayer, we can make ourselves maybe sound like experts on prayer, but that's far from the case. Routine in prayer in my own life is something I continue to struggle with. But absolutely, routine is important. And so, and that's going to look like uh, very different for different people. I know that there are people who um, find prayer books uh, from their particular denomination extremely helpful. Uh, there are people who find particular prayer rituals um, that are part of their um, Christian tradition very helpful as well. For me personally, I find walking when I pray extremely helpful. So if I'm sitting down in a room uh, and there's even if there's nothing else going on around me, I do find it very hard to focus my thoughts in prayer. But if I'm out in nature and I'm walking and I'm just using that time for conversation with God, I find that an extremely helpful way for me to pray. So uh, for me, that discipline is extremely important. Like I said, prayer is going to look very different for different people. And the other thing to keep in mind is that communal prayer is extremely helpful because it's it provides a structure for individuals to come together and to do that uh, as a group, as a community. Uh, but in our own lives, of course, uh, we don't have other people to rely on if we're on our own. And so that's where uh, personal you know, routines and rituals of prayer become very important. We'll talk about some of the testimonies. You've got 80 stories in your new book. We'll talk about some of those as we go. But Warwick, there's something other that's special about this book, Strategies for Mountain Moving Prayer. How have you incorporated that in amongst the sorts of things you discuss in the book? Well, again, it's a, it's a very interesting point um, because we didn't have a subtitle uh, until almost at the very end of the book, do we, Kurt? That's right. Yeah, we, we were thinking for a very long time, what do, we, what do we subtitle this book? And we wanted that subtitle to emerge from the stories. Um, and that's where, yeah, the, the stories are really what drove us to this, this idea of um, there being strategies for prayer. So what actually happened was, uh, so I, let, I, I was tasked with writing, uh, uh, actually Kurt did most of the work, so the truth of the matter is any credit for this book should go to Kurt, and he, he did you know, sort of 100% of the editing as well, and there's a lot of editing work to pull these testimonies together, by the way, a lot of work there. But, um, so I'm, I had the last chapter, and Kurt had assigned me, um, uh, you know, because we're praying in the, in, the, in, in Canberra Declaration, we're praying for the nation, and he'd assigned me uh, prayer that shifts the nation. And as I sort of prayed about it and thought about it, I just had this sort of uneasy feeling that I actually had to go back into the stories, right? Go back actually and look at the stories and go back and look at even what Kurt had said and what other people had said. And the, the verse that kept jumping through, it was like a theme verse that ran through the book, wasn't it, Kurt? It was the, the verses, and, and Jesus actually is uh, sort of refers to this story three times. It was three times in the Gospels. Uh, John and Matthew, I think it's... Uh, it's John, sorry, John. no, it's actually not in John. 
Um, but it's alluded to in John. It's Mark, Luke, and Matthew. And it's a story of Jesus saying, if you, whatever you speak to uh, and you believe, even if you've got the faith of a mustard seed, if you speak to this mountain, it will be done. So we, both of us, uh, Kurt, from the very start of the book, by the way, we knew that faith was the key, probably the key component in prayer. And I think Kurt would agree with me in this. But how do we bring that out? And so I changed the last topic to mountain moving prayer because I was trying to get into the spirit, if you like, of all the people who shared. And that verse came up again and again, didn't it, Kurt? That's right. And I've got it right here, actually. Uh, the, the version from Mark 11 says, if anyone says to this mountain, go throw yourself into the sea and does not doubt in their heart, but believes that what they said will happen, it will be done for them. Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. So yeah, really that idea of faith is so important. Visions 2020 with Neil Johnson, a biblical perspective on life, culture and current events. Our talkback line open, 1-800-316-316. You might have your own testimony of answered prayer or a comment uh, or a question around the issues we're talking about today with the two authors, Warwick Marsh and Kurt Mulberg, who've just about to, or they've released their book called The Power of Prayer, Personal Stories and Strategies for Mountain Moving Prayer, 1-800-316-316, to join in our conversation. Let's take a call or two on this whole issue of prayer. Let's hear, first of all, from Anne in Labrador in Queensland. Hello, Anne. Welcome along. Hello, welcome, yes. Um, I'm so grateful that that's on this morning because I have a prayer group that I go to at 7 o'clock every Wednesday and we have seen so many people who we have prayed for and situations that have been answered to us praying together as a corporate group in there. I also have my own time prayer as well, personally as well too. And part of a prayer group, and this is an interesting thing about prayer groups, and I'll get a thought or two uh, from Kurt here. Oftentimes you'll have a prayer group and you'll pray through a whole lot of things. Sometimes people run with a list. Other times it just happens along the way. But if you don't make a list of the sorts of things you pray for, sometimes it escapes you when the answer comes and uh, you can uh, sometimes uh, avoid the idea of giving God all the glory for the things that are happening in breakthroughs. But Kurt, what are your thoughts for Anne, the corporate prayer gathering? Yeah, that's so encouraging, Anne, to hear about your Wednesday night prayer group. I know of many such groups around Australia that uh, happen regularly. And as Neil was saying, I think keeping uh, a list of what we're praying for is so important. One of the points that I, I make in the book, Power of Prayer, is that I think the number of prayers that are answered in our lives actually far outnumber those that are not. It's just that the prayers that are yet to be answered, they're the ones that sort of stay in our mind a lot. They niggle us because they're still unresolved. Uh, but if we were to take the time to write down a list of all the prayers that God has answered through our life, we would see that he's actually incredibly faithful. And so that idea of recording and remembering what God has done in answer to our prayers is just so important in the Christian life. And thank you so much for your call. Let's take another call. Isaac is in Orange in New South Wales. Hi, Isaac. Welcome along. How are you, brother? God bless you. Thank you. What are your thoughts here, Isaac? Uh, I'm just very excited about prayer because prayer is uh, it's a it's an engine room to every ministry in our country, even in our lifetime. Because I I I experienced that for the last ten or fifteen years when I live here in this country, 
I see the blessing and I see the, 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 the prayer moves mountain. I see things happen in my own eyes. And it's, um, as an individual, I really, I'm really excited about prayer. When we pray, we come in a place that we humble ourselves towards our Father who's in heaven. Yeah, so prayer is something so very interesting in our everyday life. And we do need prayer. And, and I thank you for the prayer for our nation here in this country. It's been brought a lot of people to prayer every day. Every day here in Orange is just prayer. Prayer is a focus tool for everything. Yeah. Uh, good thoughts on the concept of engine room and I wonder whether uh, you've got any thoughts here Warwick Marsh uh, that prayer times uh, not always about having special um, testimonies of specific answers that you identify but uh, in every church situation this idea of an engine room and if there's a prayer meeting that functions beautifully, then things go well. If the prayer meeting begins to fail, things go wrong. Any thoughts here for uh, our uh, listener, Isaac? Well, first of all, I'm a bit biased because I know Isaac. He's a really beautiful man of God. He loves Jesus. He loves to pray. And he has been a coordinator for the National Day of Prayer and Fasting, I think, for almost 10 years. Isaac, is that right? Yes, uh, brother. Thank you, Warwick. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. Ten years. <laughs> Ten years. So it's a long time. So, like this guy, uh, Isaac, uh, my dear brother, Neil, uh, he he believes in what he's saying. He's not just saying it. He believes it. He lives it and he breathes it. And I've also been up to, um, up to uh, the area with him and, uh, you know, doing some ministry in that area. So, look, um, yeah, look, like Isaac, I've been astounded by answers to prayer. And, Look, there's some exciting things happening in our nation right now uh, that Kurt and I are involved with, and some of them we can talk about, some of them we can't. But the bottom line is there's some people who are standing up for our Christian freedoms and our freedoms, just our basic freedoms, who are basically going to throw themselves under the bus, literally, politically, uh, for the nation and for the people of this nation. And I'm just staggered because I didn't see it happening. I, we prayed and fasted right through October, we were praying for family ostensibly. We, that was our main prayer point. And, but I, myself, have been deeply concerned about the loss of freedom in our nation, Neil. I, I think you have too, uh, with the, uh, under the guise of the pandemic restrictions and um, terrible loss of, uh, of freedoms that have occurred. And there's great danger. in Once we lose those freedoms, you just don't get them back. And we have, some, um, have a very brave uh, parliamentarian, uh, Senator Gerard Rennick, who is basically standing up for the for the broken, he's standing up for the for the outcasts, and he's making a stand. And I think it's an absolute miracle of God. It's an answer to prayer, and you know I'm just staggered. I'm honestly completely staggered by how God answers us when we pray. And Isaac, we've seen some amazing answers to prayer when we've prayed on these national days, haven't we? The breakthrough work, you are very encouraging. We're still burning desire of prayer. It's a desire of burning in prayer. Okay. It's wonderful. It's wonderful. Our heart is burning desire for our country. This is a beloved country, Australia. We love this nation. We are, we are on the edge of revival in our nation through prayer, through prayer, brother. Isaac, Free thank prayer. you so Free much prayer. for your call. You might like to join in our conversation, 1-800-316-316. We're talking about... 
the power of prayer and uh, you might have your own testimony to share. Let's take another call. Jonathan is in Perth, WA. Hi, Jonathan. Welcome. Yeah, hello, Neil. You know, uh, I take prayer. I don't know what other people get definition about prayer. I take prayer to, it's not talking to God. It's talking with God. Because prayer is communicating with him. So if you talk to you talk with him, he will answer you back. But sometimes we don't want to say want God to say yes, I will do it, or no, I will not do it. They are the two answer men once, but God can say wait. It's not time for me to answer you. It takes a long process to go through this. But if you don't have that patience, you rush and do things. These are the things going on in many countries, in many believers. They want yes, no. When God says, wait, they don't care. They take their own action. So they forget about prayer. Jonathan, a prayer is communicating with somebody. You he will are... bring his view. He will bring his will. And God must rule in our lives, whether we like it or not. That wonderful stuff. Away from Jonathan, you always deliver some wonderful wisdom. Uh, prayer is not talking to God, but with God. Uh, Kurt, I wonder if you've got a thought for Jonathan. Yeah, that's so encouraging, Jonathan. Thank you for sharing. And I totally agree. Uh, and I like the way you phrased it, that, that prayer is talking with God, not just to him. One of the chapters in our book actually is called Hearing God's Voice, uh, or rather God is Still Speaking. And in that chapter, we've got many testimonies, at least 10 of people who uh, their prayer was prompted um, either either by a desire or a need they had or by the fact that God spoke to them first or God spoke in the process of that prayer. And so it's really important for us as Christians to understand that prayer is two-way communication. Now, that doesn't mean we necessarily can expect God to be speaking to us every second of the day or that he's a sort of cosmic butler we can kind of clap our hands and call on when we want him to. But God does speak. And part of the Christian life is understanding and recognizing his voice. Um, you know, Jesus said, my sheep know my voice and they, they hear me. And so the fact that God speaks means that as believers, we need to have a humble posture before God and be willing to listen when he is speaking to us. Kurt, let's talk about some of the types of testimonies that you've included in your book, because there are stories in there and especially some around healing and the way God's provision has happened. Uh, what are the ones that come to mind for you? Yeah, one of my favorites, Neil, and it's actually the first story that we tell in the book, is of a young boy. Uh, the the story is told by his grandmother, and it was his birthday party. He was given a ball. Um, that was one of the gifts he received, and the party was at a park. And anyway, the wind uh, happened to sweep that ball out into the middle of a lake, and that was his, you know, birthday present, you know, shrinking into the distance. And he, his, uh, his brother actually, a little bit older, said, "Why don't we pray that you know God would change the direction of the wind and the ball would blow back?" And uh, just as they prayed, that's exactly what happened, and the ball came straight back. And so uh, we open, you know, with that story in a chapter called uh, "Faith for the Miraculous," because. Uh, and we talk about just the need for faith like a child. I think children have such an important uh, you know, example that they set for us because they're not tainted by the cynicism and other things that collect the, the older that we get through life. They just have a childlike faith. And that's something that we can really, uh, yeah, really copy their example of. So that's, that's one of the uh, stories that certainly come to mind for me. Maybe uh, Warwick can share one of his favorites. Look, I'm happy to, um, Neil, um Daphne Verne is actually a voluntary worker with the Canberra Declaration. She's an amazing woman of God. And she just tells this story. Over 10 years ago, I had a knee pain whenever I climbed the stairs. 
I immediately prayed for God to heal me. I kept praying every day, but the pain was still there and it dragged on for weeks. One day while walking to the train station after work, I felt the pain had intensified when I climbed the stairs. I was so angry at the condition that I started praying more vigorously. I commanded the pain to leave my body in Jesus' name. When I reached home and climbed the stairs to my apartment, to my amazement, the pain was gone and for good. So there's a miracle of healing as a a woman reached out to God following the words of Jesus in Mark where he says, Whenever you, if you speak to this mountain and it be removed. So a lot of the prayers that Jesus prayed, yes, he prayed traditional prayers as in praying, God, heal this person. But in a lot of cases, he just spoke to the disease. And, he, and of course, we are commanded to speak to the diseases and the challenges that we are faced with in Jesus' name and use the name of Jesus because it's a very, very powerful name. Wonderful stuff. We might have lots of stories to share along these lines, and I'll just contribute one too. I remember being in a prayer time and someone said, oh, I need prayer. I've got a bad back. Now, sometimes a bad back is pretty hard to, you know, diagnose what's actually going on. But as uh, uh, two or three of us gathered around and, uh, you know, in some Christian circles, you lay hands and put a, a hand on a shoulder and and we began to pray and we heard the spine crack and the testimony afterwards, of course, was the pain is gone. So some of those sorts of things you can say, well, this certainly increases my faith that God answers prayer when you see things like that just so obviously. Hey, we're taking calls. You might have your own testimony to share. Let's see if we can get through a call, a few calls here. Carol is in New South Wales. Hi, Carol. Welcome along. Hi, Neil. And God bless you and um, Brother Warwick and Kurt. Um, I just give glory to God. I've had many miracles and I'm still waiting for the Lord to heal me from adult onset asthma that I had when I was 53. I'm now 71. But I had my first healing in 1969 uh, from a very bad back complaint um, and I would have been in a wheelchair. And I didn't know at that time that Jesus could heal. And uh, I was um, had been through business college, came from a wealthy family, but a lot of dysfunction and I had terrible trauma growing up. And I learned there was a God and I would confide in God. And um, I had a, uh, then became born again when I was 12. And the Lord healed me. I was the first one I'd ever seen healed. And I came from a Baptist church, and in that Baptist church there, they told that miracles had passed and so on. So I knelt outside of my bed when I was 19, 1969, and I raised my hands to God and asked him to heal me. I felt warm oil go down my spine. I was miraculously healed, and I went and told everybody and then I've had uh, was healed of bowel cancer on the operating theatre. It was on the on the, the disc. The doctor was amazed. He said, "We don't know how this has happened. We've gone over it twice. We can't find." any trace of bowel cancer. I stood up and the Lord had healed me. And then also just when I was 60, I had to have um, a knee reconstruction and I had a big knee brace on and crutch. And for six months, I was in agony and then I went to the doctor. He gave me a form to get x-rayed. That night, I lay in bed and I prayed for months 
And I said, dear father, in Jesus' name, please heal me. Miraculously, he completely took all the pain away and healed me. Wonderful stuff, Carol. Thank you for a great contribution and uh, a bunch of stories in there. And a lot of people have a lot of healing testimonies and the way God moves when they pray. Uh, Kurt, a quick response from you for Carol. Carol, that's so encouraging. What what an amazing God we serve, hey? Um, they, they are some extremely miraculous stories you've just shared with us, and really they go beyond the ability of humans to explain. So, um, yeah, and, I mean, your, your stories, the stories that you've shared today are very much in line with many of the stories that um, we've con- compiled into um, the book Power of Prayer. There are just too many to recount, um, you know, in this short conversation today, but so many of them took place when, Either people were at sort of at the very end of the medical journey, There's, there was nothing else that could be done and God stepped in to miraculously heal them. Or even um, there are certain prayers that were answered that weren't even really prayed for. Um, they were just God stepping in to totally shift the circumstances and surprise the medical um professionals who were involved so um, just so encouraging carol thank you for sharing those stories thank you so much carol taking calls 1-800-316-316 let's go through some of these and trish is in south australia hi trish welcome well hello i just wanted to tell you about a, a lovely personal answer to prayer that uh, god did in thailand i was at a conference and all the missionaries from uh, Thailand were come together and everybody was hugging each other and very enthusiastic and loving. And I I looked at them and I thought, dear Lord, I don't have anybody I can hug. And uh, when I went back to work at the literature uh, book rooms, um, a girl that I'd been working with and we were having a very difficult time, she came up to me and she said, uh, P-Pat, she said, I dreamt you hugged me. You hugged me twice. And she was rocking herself, and and we just had a marvellous relationship after that. And I thought God was telling me, you know, there are so many people out there who need love, who need a hug. And anyway, that's my lovely answer to prayer. What a wonderful story. Thank you so much, Trish, for calling in. We're taking calls on 1-800-316-316. Let's just go to another call and see if we can get some more callers. Uh, John is in uh, Menangle Park in New South Wales. Hi, John. Welcome. Hi, Neil. And, uh, yeah, thanks, mate. I love your program. And uh, thanks to Kurt and Warwick for the book. I'll certainly be getting that. Uh, yeah, I hear your program uh, nearly every day, Neil. Almost the entire program Wonderful. every day. Fabulous, it's fabulous. But so, the, um, the instances of of uh, answered prayers in my life were two the most amazing major answers. Um, I became I started my faith journey in 2010 after um, a, an old uh, Christian friend prayed for me for a very very long time, and uh, that that culminated in one one wonderful Sunday. Well, I, I just couldn't couldn't deny Jesus, and I couldn't deny God anymore, and, and I've never looked back since that that time, in 2010. And then uh, four years later, a wonderful Christian, uh, prayerful Christian friend of mine in church could see that um, I was lonely and I was pining for a wife, and I never sort of let on to anybody, but he could see it, and he was such a spirit-led man, and he would look at look into my eyes and he would pray straight into my eyes, looking into my eyes. And he prayed for a wife for me. And uh, a very short time later, this beautiful blonde lady came walking into church. Uh, one morning, I was waiting for the service to begin, sitting at the table. She stood on the opposite, opposite side of the table and, 
and looked at me and said, oh, is anybody sitting in this chair? I nearly fell out of my chair. And uh, 12, months, 12 months later, we, we were married and we were, we were just, oh, I'm just so unbelievably blessed. And as Carol said, I just give all the glory to God and to, to our best friend, Jesus. <laughs> Wonderful stuff. An amazing story, John, and the whole relationships thing. And, uh, you know, we could probably have a little bit of fun with that sort of idea. Oh, someone's just walked through the door. I wonder who this is a new husband or wife for. Hey, Warwick, what are your thoughts for John? Well, John, uh, how long have you been married now, John? Uh, six years. And you're still still in love? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, because no, well, I, I run dads for kids, I've got to give you some advance notice. Uh, marriage is an edifice that must be rebuilt every day, but that's a little bit of a freebie there. Um, just keep working on it because love is a decision. But look, that's an incredible story. I um, I believe in the power of prayer, and actually, I think we've got a great story here, Neil. If I can ask Kurt, and I was specifically involved in this story. And I think it will uh, reaffirm what our dear brother John's saying. Over to you, Kurt. Tell us. Yeah, well, John, I very much relate to your story. The, the, actually, the day that I met Warwick was, was about three or four years ago at a conference. And I'd received his emails for years through the Canberra Declaration. We met. We had some really good conversations. And one of the things that I shared with him very soon after that was that I was single and I was praying for a wife. And he said, oh, I believe you know that God answers those sorts of prayers. I'm going to start praying for you. And Warwick started praying. And actually within about a month or two, um, I met my now beautiful wife, Angie. And um, I had been praying for probably a decade and, um, you know, just waiting on God and trying not to make it the biggest part of my life. But it was one of those unanswered prayers that sort of niggled. And uh, absolutely miraculously, God answered that prayer in a very short space of time. And um, oh, I'm just so thankful. Like I've just got the most amazing marriage to the best person in the world. So um, yeah, God really does answer those prayers. It's amazing. Wonderful stuff. John, thank you so much for your contribution today. Let's take one more call because I want to explore some other areas with the two of you. Let's hear from Terry, who's in Orange, New South Wales. Hi, Terry. Hi, how are you? Very well. What are your thoughts, Terry? Not too bad. Um, I just want to share a very short testimony. Um, I got healed of um, several addictions from 1995 to 1998. Um, I came to the Lord in 95. Um, at that time, I was a chronic alcoholic, uh, living in boarding houses and lodges around Sydney. Um, I was into the tarot cards, clairvoyancy, all that sort of stuff. I was smoking a lot of you know, weed, uh, right off track. And I was living in a boarding house, and there was a guy there um, who worked at the local hospital as an engineer. And um, one night um, I had had enough. I thought, this was it. I'm going to end my life. So I was getting ready to end my life at that time. And this knock on the door, and he said, Are you, is your name Terry? And I said, um, yeah, how did you know? He said, mate, I just, I've heard of you at this boarding house. And he said, do you want to come with me tomorrow and visit somewhere? So we went to a church the next day. Um, and, um, yeah, I met the pastor there, and I ended up coming to the Lord that, that morning. So... Terry, what a wonderful testimony of a transformed life. I want to thank you so much for calling in and sharing that with us today. We're going to put a line under calls now and spend these last few minutes for our conversation. And I'll come to you first, Warwick, because it's one thing to pray for uh, these things that are healings and these miraculous occurrences that happen. But even as we hear from Terry there, there's a transformed life. Others 
Others said, uh, you know, they were praying for a a lifelong partner or uh, there would be those who say they've prayed for their family. Transformed life is one of the key areas that happens, not only for us personally, and we could think selfishly it's all about me, but it's about the transformed life of people in our broader communities. Uh, Your thoughts, uh, just to to enlarge a little bit on this sort of thing, Warwick, uh, what's the motivation for our prayers because it's not all about our own selves. Well, look, a very good point. Um, the greatest miracle, Neil, uh, is a miracle of someone coming to Christ. And in fact, Jesus said, all the angels in heaven rejoice with one sinner who repents. So we are guaranteed that this is a very high priority for, for Jesus. In fact, it was his priority. He came to this earth to bring redemption to mankind womankind he came to bring salvation and all we have to do is to trust in jesus the greatest prayer we can pray individually i believe is we can give our life to jesus we can say god take control of my life i need your help forgive me for my sin i now place you as my lord that that to me my brother is the greatest prayer any man can pray and conversely You know, our job on the earth is to pray for people to come to Christ. It's also to witness. It's also to share the good news and be a witness, just as that man that knocked at the door that night for our dear brother. But essentially, we can also pray and we can say, Lord, bring John or bring Bill or bring Matthew to Christ or bring Jill to Christ. And we can be part of that miracle. And I would argue that's the greatest prayer we could still pray alongside that prayer of giving our own life to Jesus. Kurt, the transformed life, and when that happens on a bigger scale, you've got transformed communities. When that happens on a bigger scale, you've got transformed nations. I wonder if you've got any thoughts here that when you're engaging in this practice of prayer and the expectation of moving mountains, how that might apply to a nation. Absolutely, Neil. Well, it's been a long time in Australia since we've seen widespread revival. Uh, There are certainly accounts through history. We can look in the Old Testament, in the New Testament, the day of Pentecost. um, There were big revival events. And we look through church history and there was the Azusa Street revival, the revival under Wesley. There, There are many instances of that. In the 1950s, Billy Graham came to Australia and preached the gospel. And many, many people... Um, probably in their sort of 60s and 70s, maybe even 80s today, uh, when you talk to them about their testimony, they'll say, well, I actually came to faith by going to a Billy Graham crusade. So there have been instances in Australia's history of revival, but it's been a long time since we've seen it on a really wide scale. And so, yes, God transforms lives. We are like, that is really at the, the heart of the Christian mission on, here on earth is to share the gospel and see people come to faith. When that happens on a massive scale, though, you get something called revival or a reformation, and and there's actually a shift in the culture. And so with a lot of the challenges that we're seeing in Australia and around the world today, that is uh, such an important prayer. It's one that Warwick and myself, the Canberra Declaration, and we know many Australians are praying for because we believe that when we see revival, then it's not just individuals that change. It's actually a whole culture. It's a whole it's a whole country. So that's something we continue to pray for. Warwick, the secularist wants reset. Everyone can recognise there's problems in the nation. Everyone recognise there's national crises that need to be resolved. So the secularist wants reset. The Christians are praying for revival, and revival has all sorts of outcomes to it. Any thoughts here about the Christian response to the challenges we face? Are you talking to me now? Yes, yeah. Warwick, yes. 
Sorry about that. Please forgive me. Um, look, you know, Kurt and I, um, obviously, we're uh, working at the Canberra Declaration because the Canberra Declaration is an affirmation of life, marriage, faith, family and freedom. Um, we believe that our job is to influence culture. Our job is not to be passive and to let culture influence us, which it unfortunately it does many times. Uh, but our job is to be salt and light. Jesus said, you know, you're a light in the world, shine brightly. You're a salt. And salt produces, it's a, it's a influence to stop rot. I mean, in those days, that's all they had. They didn't have cool rooms, so they had salt. And so if you wanted to preserve something, you had to put salt in it. Essentially, Christians are there to preserve righteousness, to preserve truth, to preserve justice. And so our job... Yes, our job, our main job, I believe, is the salvation of souls. And by the way, Neil, congratulations. I do think the fundamental way to change society is one person at a time. It's one person coming to Christ. But yes, we must also stand in the gap. The scripture says, I look for a man, it says in Ezekiel, the Lord says, I look for a man who would stand in the gap on behalf of the land. And the very sad part of that scripture is he found nobody. But I'm believing today because of this um, this wonderful phone call you've given us this opportunity and encourage people to buy the book uh, but please keep on praying for our nation keep on praying for souls to come to Christ we need Jesus Christ to reign in our nation and that can only come through people getting on their knees and praying now I know you'd like to get this book into the hands of as many people as possible because there's 80 stories in there and uh, there's your own stories and then there's grappling with this whole strategy for moving mountains. Uh, let me just mention this and you can correct me here and I'll come to you uh, Kurt in just a few moments but you want to get this book to as many Australians as possible and mm -hmm. to get a hold of this new book you're suggesting a donation and uh, let me just give that figure that you're suggesting of $25 per copy. But uh, if there is someone who says, I can't afford to spend that money, you want to get them a free copy. Uh, Kurt, tell us how you want to get this book out. Yeah, that's right, Neil. So if you're unable to afford a copy, you, you can absolutely get a copy for free. You can go to our website, um, which is the Canberra Declaration website, just um, put that into your search engine. Under the resources tab, you'll find uh, our new book, Power of Prayer. It should be at the very top. So Canberra Declaration website, resources tab, and that's where you can uh, get yourself a free copy. It's also available in Koorong and on Amazon um, as an ebook. Um, but if you go through our website, that's where you can get yourself a free copy. And we only are asking for suggested donations. It's not a price strictly. Um, and so if you want to buy bulk, um, we've got a suggested pricing schedule there too. And uh, I think it's as little as $13 per book suggested donation if you're getting copies of 10 or more. So, yeah, we really encourage you to check that out on our website. So suggested donation to get a copy of this latest book. Uh, the suggestion of $25, and of course, uh, you might know if you've sent anything in the mail recently, there's postage and handling charges that would be important to see if you can cover. And perhaps there'll be some who'll be more generous with a donation to get a hold of the book because of the good work that gets done at the Canberra Declaration. The book is called The Power of Prayer, Personal Stories and Strategies for Mountain Moving Prayer. The Canberra Declaration website is this, if you want to write it down to get a hold of your copy of this book today, canberradeclaration.org.au, canberradeclaration.org.au. 
And while you're there, you might find some other resources as well. And uh, we've talked to Kurt before about his book, Cross and Culture. Uh, There's another book there by Warwick and Kurt called Power of the Gospel, 10 Ways to Share the Good News. So while you're there, you might like to take advantage of some other wonderful resources. Uh, We didn't talk a lot about some other ministry roles, like Warwick's as the founder of Dads for Kids, uh, the National Day of Thanks, the National Day of Prayer and Fasting. Uh, We did mention the Canberra Declaration, but find out more, canberradeclaration.org.au, and your opportunity to get a hold of that book today. Uh, To you, Warwick, and to you, Kurt, Thank you so much for taking some time to share your thoughts and your heart with us today on 2020. Thanks so much, Neil. It's been a pleasure to be with you. Thank you so much, Neil. God bless you. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.